Hey y'all, this is Lisa Adkins on Agile Uprising. Hey everybody, Agile Uprising podcast. I am Chris Merman and we have a special we have a special presentation today. This is it's almost like this is an after this is the after school special of Agile podcasts. Um, uh, I get to talk to my friend Bob Galen and uh, I've I won't I, I won't bore everybody with all the ins and outs, but just to say that uh, Bob's a mentor to probably more of us than he realizes and and he gets emotional every time you say it. So I won't make him cry this early in the podcast. Uh, Bob, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine, Chris. And you're right, I do. You've made me cry on occasion. Actually, I didn't do it on purpose, but the oh, I'm, I'm, I'm emotional. I'm, a, I'm. My children know this about me, and they, they just, they, they kid me mercilessly. There's, there's certain movies. So, Chris, I'll share with you. Uh, Apollo 13. Right. Um. Uh. Cried like a baby. Just, just <laughs> cried like a baby and my and my daughter is always a po- dad apollo 13 <laughs> so, so so yeah uh, I, I i do get emotional everybody's got like a trigger like either scene or movie or something for whatever reason um i my uh my family can put on the the opening like 10 minutes of the of the pixar movie up i don't know if you remember oh that. oh oh yes yeah it, it, and like i cry every single time i mean i've our audience who they do pay attention to anything that I do knows that I, I love talking about my emotions and my, you know, I wrote about the complex relationship that I have with them, yep. uh, you know, in a society where we were trained that emotions are bad, especially in where I grew up in the world, male emotions are bad. I even have a son who's 12 that he walks around. And he's like, grr, emotions. I don't want to talk to you. And I'm like, okay, well, let's be, you know, all right. It starts young. You know, exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, but we're going to, so we're not, I, I, our emotions may come out in this conversation, but we're not going to talk about that specifically. We are going to, uh, we are going to let everybody know if you haven't seen it yet, uh, Bob just had a book come out and we're going to talk about it. It's a, um, it's a topic that some of you may or may not be interested in just, you know, this weird hullabaloo around the topic of agile coaching and what is good and not good. Um, what Bob, what would your, the, the, the title of the, I'll say it for him. Extraordinarily badass coaching the journey from beginner to mastery and beyond. Uh, so Bob, what's your kind of sort of elevator pitch when people say, what's your new book about? Like, what do you, what do you, how do you describe it to people? I, gosh, it's a good question. Cause I, it's so new. I don't have an elevator pitch, so I'll try it's it just talks about I, oh gosh what would be the elevator pitch i i think there's a lot of confusion so what drives me to write books chris is is a problem or a, a challenge statement or something so i don't just i i don't get motivated just to write something it's there's got to be a sort of a situation and to me the situation in agile coaching was and sort of is that there's a lot of confusion around what it is and what it isn't um, and I think there's a lot of mediocre coaching in the world, uh, or people, and not malicious people or mediocre people, but 
there's a lot of folks that are practicing. It's like practicing a craft without knowing what the heck it is. <laughs> and, and, uh, and just putting your shingles up and saying, I'm a coach. And I, I wanted to put some frameworks around that. So my hope is, my hope is the book provides some of that directional guidance around what good looks like from an agile coaching point of view. And I just, yeah. and I didn't want to say what good looks like. So I don't know, badass was something that struck me. And uh, I got a lot of flack when, when I was reviewing, when I was putting it out for review, like half the people like the term and half the people were alienated by the term. And you know, I'm sort of stubborn. So, so, and then I, it's made me reflect and I'm like, I looked into the book and I'm like, you know, is it resonating? Did it influence me, et cetera? And the answer came back. Yeah. You know what? You, you had that in the back of your mind the entire time. So I stuck with badass. I, so it's funny. I was telling over coffee this morning, I was telling my wife about the, the title of the book. And I said, you know, what's funny about that book is, is that, you know, you're not an you're not an intentionally irreverent person. Maybe I've kind of played that character before. I don't think I'm like that way either. I I, I can be crass if I have to. You you know you you uh you know you're not a choir boy by any sense. But there is a um, and some of it could be part of your you know part of you, you've lived all over the place. But you know where you live in a part of the country that's you know, a little more Southern, you know, genteel, maybe, maybe a little gentility. And, and again, having been raised in Texas, like I've got just enough of that, like just enough to be dangerous. But so yep. it, I could, I was joking. I'm like, it's, it, I think it's hilarious that you use the word badass in the title because it's not a word that I would think people would see next to a book that you wrote, but yet it is there. It's, it's, it's there in every sense of, of of the subject it's it's you know we we should be slightly irreverent sometimes when it makes sense to so i i i find the humor in that but also i can see that there might have been a little bit of push and pull so i i, I get that it was funny it was geographic too to some degree so in the states as you're saying and even around the world like folks in Europe didn't appreciate it very much. And I was getting some dictionary definitions of what badass means in, from, the, from the Oxford, the Oxford definition of bad. <laughs> and, you, and so it was, it was a toss up. I was, I was torn. But, uh, but what I found is it for me, it's like a persona, Chris. Uh, when I was writing the book and when I was envisioning and I was thinking about what, what is the mindset of the actual coach? What did I want to communicate? So it's not just models and tools and techniques, but maybe a posture or leaning in then that badass posture of, and it's it being a badass in service to your client being a, it's sure. not being a badass. It's, it's being a badass coach. Uh, and all that means in service to your client and to, and, and showing up how you show up that, that helped me write the book that helped me focus sure. the book. So I had, a, there was, a, there's a, um, Stuart Young is a sketch artist in, uh, in the UK and he did sketches for the book and, uh, and those sketches, you know, if you look, there's a little, uh, if you look, there's, uh, in the sketches, folks have a little, uh, what is it? Uh, like a ninja, there's a little thing around the head and that's, that's the coach. So you have a, like a little uh, circlet or something, a little ninja thing. And, and that was part of it. So ninja badass was also a part of it. I love it. 
<laughs> yeah, I was thinking through in my mind, like, okay, like everybody's got them. If you go, all right, get like name a movie with just a badass in it. And it's like, I could, you know, you could go anything from, you could go old school, like you could do Swayze and Roadhouse, or you could do Brad Pitt and Fight Club, or, you know, or you know, like there's a, the end of Michael Clayton with, you know, like those are, those are, I don't know, everybody's in your mind. Like I'm getting, people are screaming at their iPhones right now going, you forgot this movie, you jerk, you know? <laughs> exactly. You know what, yeah. you know what, for me, it's uh, the Karate Kid and Mr. Miyagi to some degree. So I had, right, and Miyagi aligns with me, you know, so sort of a badass, but sort of a nice guy as well, right? So that, that sort of merging of those two. Enough, but that's, that's, that was where it came from. I love it. Um, I sorry, I was letting my dog in when you when you were saying that. The um, we you told me why. All right, so you told me why the title. You told me why badass. Um, wh why do you think? Why do you think we get it wrong? Why do you think we get the definition of like what? It's never really. It was never something that shown up in like something like the Scrum Guide. Or, you know, we definitely have some specific trainings for like, you know, thanks to, you know, ACI, um, you know, the fine folks at, you know, um, IC Agile, like there's a lot of, you know, training and there's learning, you know, there's some of the Cal stuff that you've done that's sort of along those lines, but doesn't specifically call out Agile coaching in the title, but it's, it, it's, it's this nebulous role that just kind of was like, supersized scrum master into whatever it is now it i i feel like i know why we can't seem to agree on it but like in your mind why is this such a struggle for everybody to a know what all agree on what it is and b like what good looks like so so i'll go back to lisa one of the things when i was writing the book lisa atkins book and there's the agile coaching uh aci i think at the time uh, has what's called the X-Wing model. And the X-Wing model has four primary stances for, for coaching. Uh, right. So coaching stance, teaching stance, I think mentoring stance, facilitation stance right. uh, are the four primary stances. And then, it, the, and then they have some areas to talk about your domain experience, uh, your agile and lean, a business domain experience and agile and lean experience. And it was a, it's a good model. Lisa's book came out 10, 11, 12 years ago, somewhere in that range. Sure. And it's, and it's been, it is the hallmark book and a lot of the coaching training aligned to that. Um, so, so I do think we have a, we've had a definition of what good looked like. Uh, and, and that was relatively good. One of the things that I think people talked about over the years, what was missing from that was what I think of as a consulting stance or a, a prescriptive stance where the world is not just asking. So very often people landed in agile coaching by asking death by a thousand questions or powerful questions. Right. And, and, and that's coaching stance. So even though the X-Wing had four stances, most people in, when they were coaching, when they were not facilitating, when they were coaching, they landed in professional coaching stance which was a don't tell anyone, don't give advice, don't tell anyone. If you, if you look at it, you know, sort of prescriptively or the, by the definition, then you're, the client has to figure things out on their own. So you ask them questions to guide it. There's nothing wrong with that. But that was the one tool. 
that was the, the primary tool for agile coaches. And yeah. what one of the things that I got frustrated with is I'm like, well, what if the client can't answer the question themselves? Or what if, uh, what if, you know, what if they really need advice? Uh, you know, like 10% of the time, and you have something for them to try, uh, you, can you offer that? Can you, uh, can you have other stances? So I, th I think stance flexibility, extending that model was, was something that I, evolving it was important to me. Uh, the other thing is I think people, and now I'll pick on the certifications. One of the drivers for me writing the book was if you look at the certifications in the Scrum Alliance, the CECCT, Enterprise coach, team coach. When you looked, I haven't looked lately. It may still be this way, but a few years ago, two years ago or so, I looked and I'm like, what kind of guidance are they providing for people who are going to become a well-rounded coach? And I looked at all of the references they had and they had for, uh, so probably 80% of the references were around uh, coaching stance. Uh, all of the videos on the website were around coaching stance. Right. And so there was not, there was nothing on advisory stance or, you know, providing advice or a consultative stance provide, you know, how to be a better consultant. There was one book, I think it was Peter Block's consulting book was there as a reference. And that was the one thing. So what I noticed is, is here, Lisa's was balanced and it might've been missing a stance, but then the people that were teaching it got too perky about coaching stance. And so what I, what I felt was that the profession was getting in balance. There was one tool. It was like, we have a hammer, everything, you know, our, our, our tool is the hammer coaching stance and everything looks like a nail. And I'm like, that's not flexible enough. That's not how I operate. Like I operate in different stances and I try to be balanced in it. And I try to sense and respond, you know, that can even sense and respond to what the client needs. Yeah. Uh, so I don't go ahead. Yeah. It, it's, it's so funny, the stances, because not, not that I disagree with them. I, I will say that my, my earlier journey through all the different stances was this aha moment of understanding which ones that I actually liked. I kind of just thought, well, I know, like I sat through, I sat through the, the ACI material saying, I get this. I read yep. through the material. I get this. This makes sense. I'm a mentor here. I'm a, um, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a facilitator here, right? I'm a professional coach here. Um, I, I got those things, but it really took someone else observing me in a room with clients before I really, um, I really understood what it meant to switch back and forth. And also to say, man, I, I like, I love facilitating. And a lot of times I have found that the mentorship one is that usually people resort to because they have an expertise in a specific framework or, or, or they have a specific, um, you know, they, they're especially like the tech coaches, right? They, they bring a specific, like, yep. I like this platform. I like the, you know, I like, I don't, we don't do TDD, but we do BDD. Okay. Well, great. Fine. Like you've got your thing that you do, that you're an expert in right? You know, Scrum, you know, Kanban, you know, and there's all sorts of certs that go along with that. And I found like, that was how my coaching journey started was that it was just me answering questions. Well, right. in a standup, should I do this? In a retro is a bad thing to do that. Right. That was all I did was just answer questions. And so I thought, well, that makes me a mentor. And so I realized 
someone had to point out, Chris, you're, you're mentoring too much. You're not leaning, like, what is an opportunity for you to use another stance? And that was my challenge to say, find another stance. And that was when I really kind of figured out, like, it's one thing to say to a person, you got to swap, right? You got to change hats, like whatever metaphor you want to use. I'm in, I'm standing right. on this foot. Now I'm standing on this foot. Right. I'm leaning in, I'm leaning back. I'm doing whatever I'm wearing. I'm wearing the yep. coaching at. You can't have people just sit back and answer question or ask questions. I don't know. You tell me, well, at some point in time, you got to say more than what do you think? Right. And exactly. There's not a, you can't do that until you get enough time in the saddle for lack of a better way to put it. Right. One of the things we went, I, I agree with what you're saying. One of the things I, I've gotten a lot of traction out of over the last few years is this notion of dojos and practice. And, and it really resonated with, with me when I went to ORS training, because in ORS training, you spend about 50% of your time in triads, in pairs and triads, uh, practicing coaching, basically, and, and having an expert or someone who's a more seasoned coach critique your coaching and give you guidance and mentoring. So you practice and you practice. So we're talking about how do you get better at, at switching stances? You can sort of do it in the wild, which is really hard. Uh, or you can do it in a safe environment with colleagues and practice mm -hmm. in dojos. So uh, there's, there's a, we have, uh, well, there's a chapter in the book that talks about how to, how to do dojos. Uh, it has some scenarios for different, different scenes to exercise different stances, just to practice. Uh, we also have like two or three or four chapters. I, I asked a few people to write other chapters. So Mark Summers is a coach in the UK and he contributed a few chapters which were like coaching stories. Hmm. And then he and then he would analyze like, why was he making the decisions? Why was he switching? Why was he reacting to the client this way? Why didn't he take this approach? Sort of a behind the curtain. Right. of you to, to share that so that folks can like get that behind the curtain learning. I think, I think it's important to practice your craft as much as you can a, more so in a safe environment, you can do it in the wild, maybe like pair coaching. Sure. Uh, so you can, you can do pair coaching, which can give you some of that, but you can also do some dojos. Yeah. Still waiting for my invite to write one of your chapters in the book, by the way. Um, the, oh, uh, Ooh. 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 <laughs> ooh. <laughs> I had to throw that in once. The, I know. Um, so, but you're bringing up this idea. So I, the, in the wild or uh, a safe environment can mean a lot of different things, right? It could be if you, if you don't have access to a dojo, which, and Frank, frankly, with all of the virtual meetups and virtual gatherings that are available, like you should be able to, yep. even though it's harder to do it over, over zoom than, than in person, but there are things available for you. It, it is, there are ways that you can get that that seasoning, right? So sometimes, sometimes it could be you and another coach or two that are in the session, one of you all is leading. And then as soon as you finish that session, you hang up, right? And then you have an internal chat and then say, okay, what did you just see? How did they respond? What could we have done differently? Maybe nothing needed to be done differently, but you just have it. That, that idea of, hey, it's safe to say the, the real truth here that you wanted, yep. you couldn't say it there, but here's the real truth. What do you really see is kind of going on like that, those types of um, scenarios. And it's not something that I would say 10, you know, 10, eight years ago, maybe five years ago, even it wasn't like 
really practiced a whole lot. It was basically just, you've gotten some training, you've gotten some experience, go out there, lone wolf and achieve. And, and in my mind, I feel like that's been a disservice to our, our peers having to do that. Right, Bob? Absolutely. I mean, I, I would encourage anyone listening to, if you're interested in coaching, to go to one of these professional coaching uh, classes, either, you know, I, not to I see agile so much, not agile centric, but professional coaching, like ORSC training or coactive or something like that. And, and almost any of them, if you go in there, they're going to practice the craft. Like, sure. they're going to do they're going to do a tremendous amount of that stuff uh, my daughter uh, does that with training social workers in having crucial conversations with families the, with doing family social work because they, they get into some really critical conversations with families and you never know you don't know it's it's really it's all situational and so what you, you don't, you can't plan for it, but what you can do is sharpen your saw and say, oh, how would I react in a sunny day case? How would I react in a rainy day case? How would I react in a mid-level case? And just run, run that, run it, run it, run it, and see how, how I would sense and respond to that. And you start getting some nimbleness in your conversational capability, or you start getting some nimbleness, this ability to very quickly sort of adapt, adapt to your client, on the coaching side. Yeah, uh, you, you brought up a really important book that that talks to, because, you know, there's, so there's the there's the books like Lisa's book that specifically says, this is Agile Coaching, or your book, this yep. is Agile Coaching, this is what it is. We all know we're here to talk about that. But, you know, coaching is being a good Agilist and being a good Agile coach, so to speak, is, it's all over everywhere. It's in the book Boundaries, right? Like have, yep. like healthy boundaries is all like it, like that's, that's one of the foundation concepts of, of being a good coach, like being able to have a conversation that is 100% going to be uncomfortable for both of us. And I'm still yep. choosing to do this. Like that's, that's tough. And it's not something that you would think is required of the conversation, but you do enough of these conversations like they're all of those things, um, you know, uh, Daniel Pink's book Drive, right? Like knowing how people are motivated. There's all sorts of, um, of um, behavioral economics books, like Thinking Fast and Slow, like, uh, like Agile Coaching encompasses all of these concepts, right? And, and frankly, it, unfortunately, you know, there are certain frameworks in our, in our industry that do this is just taking good ideas and say, let's massage these into something yep. that makes better in a way agile coaching is the perfect amalgam of a lot of healthy psychological and sociological practices sort of for the betterment of other people for lack of a better better put it right bomb i mean i think you nailed something chris it's so professional coaching is i think this niche and it's broad and deep you you can you could spend all of your life being a professional coach to me agile coaching so that's a that's is a superset of that that's just a slice in the pie. There's a, there's, a, there's a model that I anchored the book on called the Agile Coaching Growth Wheel. And the growth wheel has these like eight primary stance slices. And one of the, there's a leadership slice because a part of me says, you know, sometimes an agile coach has to be a leader. And by being a leader, I'm not, I'm not actually talking about being a VP or an organizational titled leader. Sometimes you have to be a leader. 
And sometimes you would have, you know, you might want to adopt a leadership stance to have one of these crucial conversations that you're talking about. Yeah. And and buck up on your courage or buck up on your because it's what's required to serve your client. So the growth wheel has a lot, and it's I'm not saying it's exhaustive, but it's well-rounded. And and you nailed it. I think agile coaching is this well-rounded art where you aggregate a lot of these these things. Like, for example, I don't think a professional coach is going to bring Pink's work in or it's going to bring other crucial conversations in. It doesn't mean they don't read it. It just means that you're defined by the professional coaching sort of boundaries, which is powerful questions are a part of that. Holding the client as having all of the answers is part of that. And that's a wonderful stance. But I don't think I don't think you stay there 100 percent of the time. Yeah, there's, uh, a lot of people like to lean on professional coaching as this um, be all end all, but there's there's very specific boundaries that I don't even fully truly understand because I've not gone through the like anybody that's got that that's done life coaching like our friend yep. Pradeepa and all the other professional coaches that we know in the agile community. Like there's some people that have gone through the work to get licensed certified to be a professional yep. coach to do and and i love life coaching as a compared to like traditional counseling and therapy yep. it's, it's a wonderful alternative but it's it's got very tight constraints and so for people to say it's all about powerful questions and you can do anything with it it really kind of it it makes it into something more than it is and they think oh well if i do that then I'm an agile coach. Or if I know a framework, then I can be an agile coach. Or some people, some people think coaching is, so if you took our Genesis, like all, you know, the Genesis of agile coaching is being a good scrum master. We have people that call themselves agile coaches that have never been a scrum master before, or they have, and they think being a good agile coach is just getting coach or getting teams to deliver faster as if an agile coach can do that by themselves anyways. Like absolutely rather, but, but like, they, they've got these little lenses of it and they think that's what it is. And it limits their ability to be their best, their best self out there. And, and not just them, I a hundred percent, but it's, how are you meeting your client? So, so yes, how am I my best self, but am I flexible enough to meet? So if, if we're serving the client and I, I really think that's a part of agile coaching is we are in service to the client. We have to meet them where they are, not where we want. So if I want them to be in professional coaching stance and I meet them there, but what if they, that, what if that's not where they are? What if they need leadership? What if they need facilitation? What if they need mentoring? What if they need whatever, whatever this, then I need the flexibility either to get there or to tap Chris Merman on the shoulder and say, or I'll call you up and say, Chris, I need an emergency facilitator to, right. to help with this, but I need to, because I need to serve that, that client. Sure. Another driver for the book is, uh, I just wanted to, to ground on this. I've seen, so I mentor a lot of coaches and I do a lot of leadership coaching or, or organizational coaching, which means I, I hobnob with leaders often. <laughs> and uh, I've, I've seen uh, agile coaches who are stuck in professional coaching stance and they ask these questions of the leaders and it's powerful questions. And I see them get terminated or walk out of the door or, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, well, what do you think? I need your help with, well, how would you approach it? And so, so you get into this dialogue where finally the leader's head explodes and it's like, oh, you're not helping me. 
Sure. And 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 I've I've seen that in the real world and I've watched it unfold and it's just not useful. It's not useful for the coach to be so narrow and it's not useful. You're not serving your client. So that's and now in some cases, there are clients that need that, you know, that exploratory, you know, sort of approach Well, then meet them there. But very often leaders, so coaching, in my, at least in my experience, coaching stance doesn't serve leaders very well. Uh, in large doses, you can sprinkle it. It's like sprinkles on an ice cream. You can sprinkle it in a little bit, but if you're excessive with it, they're, they're just, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to get much from that. Sure. Sure. And you know, I, nope, there's some people that are not going to like this, but it's okay to hand a client a fish sometimes, right? Yeah. You don't, you, you do not have to be paid solely by, look at all the people I taught how to fish on their own. Well, sometimes people don't, even know where the fish are some people don't like now granted if you've been with this client for a bit and they ask you for the fifth time i don't understand metrics can you please give me an opinion on metric well i gave it to you four times already and you just didn't like the answer so like there's that's one thing right we're not yep, saying yep, we're not saying yep. if you've given the client an answer and they don't like it well that's a whole other stance which is okay well I think this would be good for you to try and you haven't tried it, but you don't seem to want to try it. So rather than telling you to do it again, I'll give you another idea, but you got to make me a deal. I'll give you one or two more ideas, but I'm not giving you another one until you try one of the first ones. Well, that's okay. Right. And you can, you can say that and not be a bad coach. Right. Yes. I gave an answer. Right. It, it, It can be more than what you think it is. Absolutely. There, forget coach. You're being, you're being real. Like the dialogue you just had there, that that's a real, so maybe let's call it real stance. <laughs> I, I, right. The real stance is I gave you some options and you just ignored them. I'm getting a little bit frustrated and tired of giving you options. You get one more shot. I'm, I'm kidding. I still want to get paid, but you get one more shot here and, and you got to do something. And that's, a, I think that's a fair dialogue to have occasionally. But you so don't, I, there's, a, there's a bravery that, you know, there, I, sometimes I have to, like, there's a bravery stance of, hey, whatever I say, you're going to kick me in the teeth for it. Like, you're, yep. you're, you're, you're not on board with this transformation. I hate to use the T word, but it's part of what we do, right? Yep. You, I know that you didn't, like, it was your boss's boss that told you to come bring me in and do this. And I know you don't want to do it, right? But I'm getting paid to be here rather than just pretend like I'm not here. Like how yep. about we, you have to be brave to say, I'm okay with you telling me that you think it's a waste of time for me to be here. And sometimes I'll even call it out, but that doesn't come with, I, I, I which kind of leads to this question. Uh, I was talking with this topic with my life, my wife this morning, because she, um, in the pandemic, she had a, 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 a career and a role and inside of her company, she shifted because a lot of the work that she did in hospitality meeting planning went away. And so they were like, well, have you ever thought about being a scrum master? And so she got her CSM and she's, 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 she's scrumming away as, as, uh, and, and as, as her husband, I stay far away from her in the coaching stance, and I don't have any stances other than "you did great, hun." So I, that's my cheerleader thing. <laughs> yeah, um, I like that exactly. But, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't ever like. So if you've ever thought about it, uh, like I don't even care if you're just friends. Like, don't, don't, don't coach your friends. Don't coach your. Definitely don't coach your spouse. I don't care if they ask for it. Don't do it. Um, but. 
we talked about this idea of life maturity, right? So we talk about maturity from an agility standpoint, where right? we've got all sorts of frameworks of ways to measure how mature you are. Oh, well, you're a this and this, and you're a that and that. Well, this model says right. that you're not terrible, but you could work on these things and all sorts right. of things. We don't talk about how mature are you at? And I'm not saying like age has anything to do with it, right? Because I know people your age, Bob, that are ma as mature as my 12 year old, right? Like my dad went to college with a bunch of them, right? And they're in their yep. 70s and 80s, right? Like you can, your age has nothing to do with it. But because my wife got a later start to be a scrum master, she'd experience some life first, right? So these scrum masters that are a decade younger than her, they don't know what it's like to, you know, to get laid off or to have to change industries or when a leader comes at you and says, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, what do they do? Right. So I, I say all that to say, like, where do you feel that um, a certain maturity of life fits into this? And, and, and what does that have to do with quote unquote, our agile maturity? I mean, one of the reasons, and I, I think this will come back and, and sort of apply to what you're saying you're asking in the center of the agile. So I really like this model. Uh, and it's not to say the X-Wing model is bad, but I, I just happened on this model. It was, it was an open source thing that came out of a European scrum camp, uh, coaching camps in like 2014, 15, 16. Some folks were trying to, you know, explore what agile coaching is. And in the middle of it, it's a wheel. And in the middle of it is a, is self mastery and part of, and, and, Self-mastery is multifaceted. So emotional intelligence is part of self-mastery. Uh, uh, self-awareness is part of self-mastery. I think you're, I would, I would throw a lot of my ORSC learning, my internal ORSC learning. Uh, for me, the, the things in ORSC that changed me, that made me a better person, forget a coach, are in self-mastery, meaning self-learning. Uh, journaling, I believe in journaling and being reflective quite a bit. Uh, and, and I put that in there. I, I would put your, your life knowledge in there in, as part of self-mastery uh, and, and teasing it apart and trying to understand it. And then that becomes the center of your coaching. If, if that, so, so really showing up, part of serving the client is serving yourself. Self-care is in self-mastery. Uh, how being very decisive about how am I going to show up with the client? Like how do they, a lot of coaches just run in and coach to me, part of the coaching engagement would be, or not the engagement would be focused centering on myself first. How, how does the client need me to show up today? Uh, am I ready to show up? Did I have a, did I have the right coffee mixture this morning to show up in the right way to serve my client? Am I aware of that? Uh, do I have patience today? My client, they're, they're, they just made a release and it failed and they're frustrated, right? Am I in a position to meet them? I hope I'm making sense, Chris, but it's that, that center of every, forget all of these, this stance hoopla. It's like, how, how, what is our awareness of ourselves, And, and, you know, sort of how are we showing up before we coach anything? Yeah. And I think that's there. You go ahead. So you're, you touch on, so you, you, you've mentioned some of the like coactive and ORSC, right? The, a lot of, and, and really in, in the ACI stuff, there's also, 
you're not alone learning the a lot of what you're describing uh is really self-awareness self-reflection and practicing it like you're practicing being coached before you're ever intending on doing someone else and that's something that is absolutely not a part of uh, many of our peers journeys and i'm not to say that they're less of one because they haven't been coached it's it just shows a so we go back to like uh, maturity in your journey right yeah well there's maturity takes several forms and shapes i always the way that you talked about how am i showing up i've always taught it to and i'm i'm a big fan of journaling as well you and i are both writers though so we express ourselves through words really well and right. I've always struggled with people that don't know how to write of how, how do you journal? Because I just say, listen, when you start your journey, especially when you start with a new client, it's so important to say, how am I showing up today? Well, why do I have to be something specific? You could take Bob's words to say, I have to be something specific to be successful as a coach today. That's not what I'm saying. Right. In fact, you can be anything and be successful as long as you do the work to say, this is how I'm showing up, right? If you don't know that, so I always, so a simple free writing exercise is to spend five minutes every day, ask yourself the question, how am I showing up for people today? Look at your calendar. Yep. You, if you want to give today in a referential, you know, a reference of, well, I'm meeting with these people, Okay, fine, but you you don't have to do that. Just how am I showing up? If you'll spend a few minutes writing how I'm showing up, what you're practicing is self-reflection. Now, you may not be a writer. So my wife is an artist. She loves painting and drawing. I can't draw to save my life, right? But she, instead of journaling her day, sometimes she'll draw her day. Yep. What well, it's an equally it's an equally you know successful activity. It may not be drawing. It may be. Um, is it important to capture something that you can yep. maybe go back and look at? Yes, there's positive in that. But if you just say like, I got, I literally have nothing. Okay. Can we just talk? Can you call a friend that you trust and say, yep. Hey, this is how I'm showing up to, do you have a mentor someone mentoring you maybe call them while you're, well, we used to have commutes, but now that we don't have as many commutes, yep. right? Like, do you have someone that you can just spend five minutes? and say, this is how I'm showing up. Great. Well, have you thought about how that could impact your day? No, but I will now. Any of that is a valid expression of how you're showing up. And if you'll just do that, it puts you in a much more powerful position to know what that, how that were, how you are, because you are going to affect the lives of others, whether you want it yep. to or not. Yep. Um, and I wish there was a way that we can acknowledge that as part, part of our journey Bob, because I don't think that I know I didn't do this consciously. I don't know uh, when you were kind of first started consulting in this space. Like, is there is there something that we can do to better acknowledge like I, how I show up affects people, and that it's kind of important, right? So I I talk about it in the it's one of the things I brought up in the book again, and I don't mean this to be too Orisky, but there's the notion of meta skills in Orisk and meta skills are think of it as your mindset of how you show up to what is your mindset when you're coaching someone or what, are, what is my mindset? Like my, my meta skill, I thought about this session, Chris, before, and I, I, I was thinking about how do I want to show up with Chris? 
And I wanted to show up with some playfulness as a meta skill. I wanted to show up with some curiosity as a meta skill. And I also wanted to show up with some thankfulness because I was very thankful that you invited me here. Sure. And that's, that's my, my meta skills, my mindset. What, what happens is if I show up that way, one of the, the universe often reflects back that if we show, so if I show up and say, you know, Chris is a pointy headed podcaster. If that was my meta skill, you would have probably sensed that and responded in kind, you bold, you know, you bald old fart Bob, right? So we would have, we wouldn't have said that, but that would have been the energy between sure. us. So, the, so meta skills affect our coaching effectiveness. I actually find that they were incredibly influential in the in the impacts that we have or the effectiveness in, in coaching. But I want to come back to real quick, something yeah. you said, the journaling. I, I'm not a big canvas. I, I'm, I'm warming up to canvases and the power of some canvases. So I created some coaching canvases for the book. And one of them is a daily reflection, which which is nails what you were just saying. Now you can do it in your journal or you could just scribble on the canvas. So think about your day. So it's funny. It's like you were in my brain and which is scary for you, uh, <laughs> but you were in my brain. And it was like, so that that is a daily canvas. So look forward. I'm coaching. I have four coaching things today that are going on. Uh, before you ever start in the morning, have your coffee. How am I going to show up? Am I ready to do that? How, what do they, what was my plan and has it changed? What do they need from me? I thought I was going to do this, but do they need something different from me? Each mm. one of them. Am I prepared to enter that coaching space with the right mindset? What are my meta skills? Jot it down and sort of look at your day and take a little time to center yourself and to think about your coaching. Um, I even have another planning canvas on a coaching engagement at a time, like a coaching session. And right. I'm, it's not big P planning, but it's this notion of put, you know, put up two minutes before you go in to plan. What, what do I think is going to unfold? What are my intentions? And then part of the, the, the canvas is what happened afterwards. I find that folks don't reflect after, after they have a coaching Absolutely. session. Absolutely. For, for people that, that teach retrospectives and facilitate them, like we sure are really, really terrible at, at like looking, looking back on, did I, did I do that well? Or How not? did it go? Yeah. And then what, what do I need? How do I need to go? What's the bouncing ball to the next one? What right. does that connect? What does that connector look like? How was this so, session for you? Was this a good, did, did, did you get what you were hoping from me? Ex right? Was exactly. there something you were wishing that we never really talked about? Like, it's okay to ask those things because they may go, it's fine. Or they may go, you know, I really wanted to talk about this. Great. We'll kick off our next chat with that conversation. It's okay. Ex exactly. So, so I think that that sort of structure, you, it, that however you do it it could be visual it could be journaled it could be canvas oriented but that thoughtfulness i think can be very it can improve it can raise your bar when we talk about badassery i think that those little things increase your badassery your in in service to your client like sure. am i really like what does good look like good coaching it's not just espousing the scrum guide or it's not just you know sort of just mentoring it's it's 
another metaphor I have in the book is dancing with the client. I learned this in Orsk. The Orskers talked about when you have a coaching, you know, have a coaching session with your client, be prepared to dance, meet them where they are. If they need to move over here, you're stuck. Oh, I was prepared to do this. Right. But no, they don't need that. They need me to move. So I dance with them. I meet them where they are and we dance over here and we explore it. Oh, it's not what I intended. I don't even know what the outcome is going to be. Be comfortable with the ambiguity. Just dance with your client, then dance back. Maybe have some structure. It's a good metaphor because a lot of times I could, I, I know I've talked to people before that think that meeting them where they are is a static sort of gesture. Ah. And it's yeah. not, it's a dynamic sort of, they, you might be in the same conversation and meeting them where they are might be three different things. I, I wanted to ask you about, so, uh, so if you, you all have a go by the book, right. But if anything, this conversation has kind of revealed a great tip for you all in terms of this meta skill, right. I guarantee if I'm if, without delving in too deeply, cause we don't want to be able to Bob to feel like he's on a leather couch, but I guarantee you there's meta skills that Bob knows that he's good at. He knows it and he doesn't have to practice them, right? And there are meta skills that Bob knows, I, I'd like to have this. I need to be good at this yep. and I need some practice. And I need to be conscious and, or I need to intentionally not be like, you know, there's some uh, negative things of like, like consoling people on, on loss or, or what, like that's some, not something you go searching for, Hey, you know, is there any, are there any grief counseling so I could show up and get good? Like, no, that's not something you intentionally practice, but you can, right? Like, or understanding, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a jackass that loves to joke around. I had to learn over the years that not every conversation shows up with like, is where fun Chris is really needed and relevant. A lot of times that people just know me from the podcast, I show up to call, they're like, you're a little more serious than I expected. Well, it wasn't called like me being a jackass wasn't called for here, right? You don't need fun, Chris. You needed the, you needed the Chris that that's going to lean into this thing over here, which is hard, right? Yes. So, that's that. That's yeah. that's that. You know that flexibility. I think that's one of the distinctions. It's not even just the stances. It's it's about the stances, but it's around the stances. Mm-hmm. It's your own self awareness, how you're showing up. But that, to me, we sort of come back to the title of what does a badass coach, I, when I was thinking about changing badass, I was going to replace it with well-rounded, right? Now that, there, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but, but you know what? It, you know, so badass, you know, sort of <laughs> rose above well-rounded, but it is well-roundedness, right? This, this ability, endeavoring to, to look at it as it's a craft, I can be working on this for 20 more years and I'm not going to finish the craft of coaching, the learning, the books. It's, it's a well-rounded figure out, Hey, what's, where do I need to work on next? What do I need to work on? What do I need to skip? What do I, what am I not interested in doing? That's fine. Right. But that's become a better coach for my clients over time. That well-roundedness. So Chris, give me, give me a vote. Uh, Extraordinarily badass agile coaching extraordinarily well-rounded agile coaching what do you what do you think 
you, you, you already know what my answer is. And any listener of this podcast knows that I always, vote, I always go badass if I need to. Oh, if, if nothing else, cause it's a fun word to try to shoot for. Exactly. Hey, where are you at in your agile journey? Well, I'm not quite to badassery yet, but I'm, I'm an aspiring badass agile coach. See, isn't that, doesn't that roll off? Doesn't that just way warm better. your heart? Yes. Way better. Yes. Can I, can I like, can we make this an official title in the community? No, like, it is. Firing yeah. badass. Exactly. Firing now, badass. now the well-rounded did connect to this agile coaching growth wheel. Come on. There's a little bit of a meta, but it still was too sure. boring. For it me. also means that, so it's, it's like this idea of a saying an executive should all like every leader should be a coach as well. Well, some people aren't wired to do this. And also like that that's not the sign of leadership is is a quote unquote coach yeah. right saying that uh, you know i always say this you read a blog post or a presentation by someone and they say this is what everybody should need find out how they make money and i guarantee they're 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 promoting something that they sell and only they can help you with kind of a yeah. thing but so like it makes it seem like we're all just cogs in a wheel. Like oh, if every agile coach is well-rounded, then it doesn't matter who I get, which who's got the cheaper bill rate. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's not great. Um, yep. You're going to get a lot of, if, if, if your HR department's wired in that way, we all know some that are like that. You're going to get what you pay for and you're going to get what you focus on, which is you just need a, you just need a, a meat widget and we're going to meet a meat widget. Yeah. Okay. We're just going to keep crank. Oh, no, 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 no. That's a meat widget. Something we refer to all the time at agile uprising. It's so we, we have many times felt like a meat widget. And if you need all coaches to be the exact same thing, you're just making higher, higher priced, higher bill rate meat widgets. And that's not going to make anybody better. I don't need to be you. In fact, I love what you bring. I love that we're different. And every conversation we have, we all, I get better but I'm not required to be an expert in any of these things we talked about. I bring the lens that I need. My meta skills are not your skills. Yep. And even if I choose to not get them, it doesn't mean that it's better or worse. I'm just going to be my own person. And, yep. and knowing what your special sauce is, is it's actually, that's another meta skill is, is I know who I am. I, I have years of therapy, right. And, and life coaching, to know who I am and I'm going to continue to learn who I am so that as I change and grow, I'm not the same person I was pre COVID. Again, none of you all are, but as we do that, we understand this. We're showing that we're not a fixed object. We're not a, we're not a point in time. We're not something to achieve. We're not something to just get a CSM or an SPC and then, and then try to just start doing it. Like you have to spend time. And the first coaching jobs that I had, I was, terrible at it i've told some of those stories you probably have plenty yourself like we know what we were before we knew what we know now and it's okay that we knew then and it's okay we know what we know now but we are by being conscious of that we are we are choosing a higher state of evolution in our practice is that is that a fair way to kind of round third base on this combo i think so i i and to as you were talking i i kept thinking again i have this growth wheel and impregnated in my brain, I kept coming back to self, right? It, it starts, you know, if there's an overarching message maybe to this, yes, you know, get the book, yes, agile coaching, but it's, it's an inside out job. I, I teach agile leadership and I must, I must say that a billion times to leaders, like for, forget, it's not outside in, oh, I'm, I, I aspire to be a leader. No, lead, it starts inside of you. 
How are you showing up? What is your internal why to be a leader? Check that out, right? <laughs> do you even is that? Do you have joy? Does leadership bring you joy? Does coaching bring you joy? That's that's part of that inside-out nature. So I, I yeah. think it I think it centers back to that absolutely. I think that I think this book is for those that want to lean in and be a little more conscious about the way we've shown up recently. Um, I think this book is for those that are tired of kind of being told what it is and isn't and being yelled at on LinkedIn that you don't know what it is and you're not going to ever know. And if since you, since you subscribe to a specific framework, you'll never be an agile coach and you don't know what good looks like. Bob is not saying here that I'm going to speak for Bob, but I I feel like you said it already. There's not a one, there's not ever going to be one definition that is written in stone that always stays that way. Agile coaching is now different now than when Lisa first wrote the book. It's going to be different years. from Who knows how long the coach, the term agile coach is going to be around period. We might be called something else. And, you know, people have been saying uh, agile coach will become something else and whatever. Well, it's still here. I don't know how much longer it's going to be. And we don't have to pontificate on that, but the skills that we have are needed. And, and it's part of a good, not only a good agile journey, but it's a part of a good life journey to just say, here's what I'm at. Here's what I am. Here's what I know I am here. are The skills that I bring to this conversation, I'm here to help people because it's not about me. And if there's anything else that we could, if we could end this conversation on, Bob is one of them. I, I, I'm, I'm saying this so he doesn't have to say it. Bob is an incredibly humble person that does not, that does not need his name on something to consider his career like well done. He, like oh. the little things are what makes Bob's life better and, uh, and more valuable. It's the little conversations, the little relationships. And if you are willing to lean into that and have that same approach, your, your journey is going to have uh, a lot more fulfillment and enrichment than than you would have ever really thought. Oh my gosh. I, I'm almost, you almost, I'm, I'm starting to get tearful here. Can, 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 that was a wonderful landing. Can I, can I quickly land it in another? I put sure. together some replacements for badass in the book. I'm just gonna ramble them on. Okay. So for, so first I use bad, badass as an adjective. The online thesaurus word hippo says this implies displaying outstanding skill, knowledge and experience in a given field. And it provides a long list of synonyms, including, and these were these resonated with me. It's not one definition. Expert, skilled, masterly, adept, proficient, adroit, accomplished, practice, consummate, dexterous, deft, crackerjack, complete, artful, wicked, good, formidable, nimble, agile, distinguished, top-notch, masterful, world-class, effective, admirable, dazzling. I like that. Finished. Exceptional, elite, marvelous, marvelous, seasoned, well-versed, professional, outstanding, stellar, clever, gifted, competent. And then I put a couple of my own here. Humble, resilient, reflective, curious, artful again, playful, exuberant, joyous, dedicated, courageous, dogged, and open-minded. So, so I, I thought, so that's what I'm really trying to do is raise the bar Agile coaches just sort of generate some of those feelings, some of those thoughts, some of those aspirations. I really don't care. I care less about stances or can't. There's a lot of tools in there, but it's the attitude and how are we showing up and, and, and how are we respecting the craft of agile coaching and then figuring out how we fit with it. 
did you like some of those terms, Chris? I, I, uh, so I was just saying, like, what were, what are the terms that I would like put in the top and the bottom? Like, I, so I grabbed, oh, were you, were you prioritizing them for I God's sake? Well, no, because I, I started laughing when you said adroit. I said extremely adroit, agile coaching. I don't know if that resonate with people. No, 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 and, exactly. But, but Cracker Jack, Cracker Jack's Cracker kind of Jack cool. was cool. Wicked, Wicked has kind of a regional flair to it, right? Yes. Like, um, you know, stellar, you know, like the, you know, still, yeah, that's like down in this part of the world, you could say that's like that's some cowboy agile coaching. Like, so, so you're right. See, see how, see how hosed you get with the geography, right? I, it's true. It's right. If I yeah. say wicked, if I say wicked good in Maine, I'm like, I get a free lobster dinner. Sure. If I'm in Texas, I don't know what I get. Yeah. I, I, I might get the escorted left out. Coast of, would just stare at you and go, they oh, was, okay. you're, you're, you're right. Is that a hard, but, is that a hard cider? Like, what are we talking about here? I know, <laughs> dude, but in all seriousness, it just warms my heart to forget the book and stuff. It's just nice to see you and nice to chat. And thanks Thank for inviting God. me. Oh, it you're, just, listen, I, this, this book serves, or this, this chat serves two purposes. A, anytime with you is great, but I, I do think that it's important that we, kind of sort of come together a little bit on this topic like yes it, you know I, I agree we we have to uh we have to stop arguing about what is and isn't agile what is and isn't coaching what is and isn't uh, you know a, a, the the type of the mastery that we're looking for can you ever reach mastery what does beyond even mean bob's got uh, plenty of room for to meet anybody where they're at in their coaching journey or if you're if you're like man i've heard enough podcasts on agile coaching to say that i don't want to do it great well here's how to work with a coach because i guarantee you one's going to get thrown in your face at some point in time even if you don't want to do the work I truly, I truly, truly recommend extraordinarily badass agile coaching the journey from beginner to mastery and beyond. Look at that plug I threw in at the end. I you, win. You nailed it. Drop the mic. <laughs> uh, Bob, you're, you're an amazing person and I'm thank you for being my friend. So um, Same, everybody back, go right by the book. You. Yeah. Everybody go by the book. Um, uh, uh, Bob, you're, um, I know you've got several websites, which is the, which is the website you want people to go the right to? one. Agile moose, agile hyphen moose is agile my soapbox. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah. He, uh, more and more, he, he, it used to be our Galen consulting for a while. That's lame. We need, we need some moose in our lives. So go to, go to agile hyphen moose.com. Um, he's Bob Galen. I'm Chris Merman. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next time.